Welcome back to another episode of Shot by Shot, the official cinematography podcast of One Perfect Shot and Film School Rejects. I'm one of your hosts, H. Perry Horton, and the other is the infamous Jeff Todd, OPS founder. And today we have come together to discuss the cinematography of a film that we both consider to be among the finest of this century so far, Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead, which was shot by David and Dunlap. So let's hear it, Jeff. How deep is your love for Shaun of the Dead? So, so deep. (laughs) Did I do that same joke yesterday? It's, you did, and it's just, it's so, it, so creepy. It's so, it's still so creepy. Yeah, most people don't know we're actually recording this twice. Uh, because, uh, mainly because I'm an idiot, <laughs> I would say. But, uh, so we're going to try and act like we haven't had these conversations before, but we totally, totally have. We've had this conversation. Um, what was your question, Shaun of the Dead? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear it, Jeff. How deep is your love for Shaun of the Dead? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I love this movie. I, it's my favorite Edgar Wright movie. I think it's the... You know, I even hate calling it a horror comedy because it, see, that's almost dismissive, but no. it's, um, it, it's, it's an astonishingly good debut, and I think it's up there with the great debuts of all time. You know, if you're looking at, like, what, like Mad Max, Duel... Yeah. I mean, Evil Dead... It's 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 at that same table. Um, I agree with that. And I think it, it does everything, everything. It's a Swiss watch. It, it's perfectly structured. It's perfectly balanced. It's perfectly executed. Um, and I think it, it transcends the horror genre on a very real and profound level. It uses the elements of both, but it's never really it's never really branded by either of them. And I think that's what makes Edgar Wright so fucking good, is it's his ability to let the genre or homage influence him, but not really become him. You know what I mean? I do, I do. I consider I consider Shaun of the Dead as opposed to being a horror comedy. I consider it a horror hyphen comedy. And I think the distinction in that is that in regular old run-of-the-mill horror comedy, the horror is played for laughs. Um, here... The horror is played for real, and it's just the reaction of the characters that's funny. It's it's like uh, you know we've talked about it before, but it's like something like an American Werewolf in London, where the the horror elements are absolutely one hundred percent horror elements. They're 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 gruesome. They're frightening. It's just the context and the reaction of the characters that makes it a little silly or a little funny in spots. And I think that's the distinction in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. See, and that's what's interesting to me is because. I definitely think American Werewolf in London is more horror than comedy. Um, it just happens a horror that happens to have comedic moments in it. Sure. But then you look at something like Abbott Costello Meet Frankenstein, which is, I would say, almost... You could make the argument, I guess, it's more comedy than horror. But I think it has quite a bit of, of both of those in, in pretty good measure. Um, it's true. It I mean, it's these genuinely creepy elements. But Shaun of the Dead is always playing both sides, and it's doing it so well. It's almost playing off each other instead of just turning the car, the horror into comedy or turning the comedy into horror. It's almost just playing these two genres off of one another and seeing how one triggers the other one to react. It's just sort of back and forth like a tennis match. Right. Right. Do you, as in terms of Edgar Wright as a filmmaker, do you think he? He sheds his, he has this ability to shed his influences, which allows his films to become something unique. 
he makes genre films, but he he's able to. They're still his own brand, and it's something that it has always. It's the frustration with Quentin Tarantino, who I love, top five filmmaker, sure. right? But sure, absolutely. He's somebody who who writes in genre and then takes those stories and deep fries them in more genre. To right. the point where it's this constant homage. It's never a distraction because it's Tarantino and you love his voice. But I, I feel like Edgar Wright's doing the same thing. He's just doing it on a more... He's more uh, subtle more about unique, it. Yeah, 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 that's the word. That's the word. He's more subtle about it. He's more and, careful about that homage and where he places it in those films. You're right, you're right. Tarantino is more literal in his homage. Tarantino is borrowing shots. He's borrowing looks. He's borrowing framing. He's borrowing lines. I mean, he's you know his, his homage is very literal. He wants you to know what he's referencing. Wright is more tonal. He's, he's taking the feel of the zombie genre or the feel of the horror genre or the feel of buddy cop movies, and then he's adapting it to his particular universe so what you get is you get something that feels very familiar but it's still novel it's like yeah. you know it's like taking a different path through a park that you know really well it's you know it's still comfortable you know it you're just seeing things a little differently and i think that's because he's not as literal with what he's referencing he's he's every bit as much of a, of a film scholar as as tarantino but in addition to just being a filmmaker's filmmaker he's also a people's filmmaker and so it's not as steeped in the lore of what he's referencing as Tarantino is. I would also add that he is, if you were to strip away the comedic elements of his films, you would have films that were the absolute best of their genres. I think it's because Wright and Peg are so funny on their own. I think comedy almost sneaks into these films. It's not like they're never going full bore comedy. They just have these comedic moments, just like as we were saying right. with American Werewolf in London, it happens to have these comedic moments in it. So uh, you know what? Maybe I'm coming to kind of coming around to to what you're thinking of Shaun of the Dead. And, um, and don't underestimate yeah. the don't underestimate the the well, fact. I'll underestimate you. <laughs> I underestimate you all the time. Well, don't rather ignore the fact that it's that it's British comedy as opposed to American comedy, which British comedy by nature is a little more subdued, is a little more cerebral, is a little more reactionary as opposed to American humor, which is gregarious and in your face and more slapsticky. I think, you know, if this, if Shaun of the Dead had been made by an American filmmaker, I think the comedy would have been played up more just instinctively. Yeah. Yeah. And actually going back to, and we're fucking jumping around like rabbits here, but, but the, the, an example of Edgar Wright, how Edgar Wright uses his influences versus Tarantino would be little things like Edgar Wright will do, uh, you know, the, they're coming to get you line from, uh, night of the living dead in Shaun of the dead becomes, we're coming to get you Barbara, who is Sean's mom. And that little moment's a quiet tribute to night of the living dead. Whereas yeah. Quentin Tarantino, would use an entire speech, an entire segment, and in some cases, entire films like *City on Fire* versus uh, *Reservoir Dogs* to, mm-hmm. to 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 create his his moments. And I think that's a pretty good example of of how these two use and interpret genre onto their films. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree with that. But we're not talking specifically about Edgar Wright with *Shaun of the Dead*. We're also talking about David Dunlap. That's true. It's a That's regal true. sounding name, this David Dunlap. 
A real sounding name, although not a very well known name in cinematography, and that's uh, because primarily his work up until now, or up until Shaun of the Dead, rather, had been uh, as a second unit DP or a camera operator. Um, you know, he worked with Scorsese a lot. He did After Hours, he did The Last Temptation of Christ, he did Goodfellas, and then he shows up on films like Forrest Gump and Royal Tenenbaums, Ridley Scott's American Gangster. But as a cinematographer, Sean was only his second feature, and it's the only time that he and Wright have worked together. Since Shaun of the Dead, most of his cinematography work's been in television. He's shot dozens and dozens of episodes of Gossip Girl and, and House of Cards, uh, but not really known as a cinematographer primarily and Shaun of the Dead and indeed all comedy aren't really the kinds of films that you think of when you think about great cinematography certainly if you look at the shows that we've done so far Drive 2001 uh, Silence you know those are very sort of epic epic films but Shaun is a very very stylish film in, in both obvious and subtle ways it's a film that excels in mise-en-scene and framing there's a lot of visual minutia at play in this film there are a lot of details that enrich in the narrative universe and the cinematography is almost like a, a another narrator in the way that it presents these details and, and compositions to us I, I don't think Edgar Wright has really worked with a cinematographer more than once with the exception of uh oh i hate it when i try and use my brain bill pope uh because bill pope i oh, think right. shot baby driver and also did uh the world's Pope's end one, right or no oh. the world's end yeah mm-hmm. yeah because who did you know what that's not true actually i take back everything i say because bill pope did scott pilgrim as well so did he do, did he do fuzz as well no uh hot fuzz was uh was jess hall okay so, yeah, it seemed like it took him a couple films, but then he found his uh, his Bill Richardson, as it were, and uh, it looks like Bill Pope is his Bill Pope is his man, which I love. I love when when directors and cinematographers have that kind of relationship, have like the John Alcott Kubrick kind of relationship. Absolutely, I mean, it absolutely, so much more freedom. But but at the same time, I think it's important to note that. I feel like a lot of Edgar Wright's visual aesthetic was established in Shaun of the Dead. Absolutely. And, and indeed in space. And by the time he gets to Bill Pope, you know, that aesthetic's really sort of set in stone, you know, with the with the whip pans and the, you know, the tracking shots. This is sort of the stuff we think of as iconic Edgar Wright Crash cinematography. Zoom. Yeah, I mean, that stuff was already pretty much established by the time he hooked up with the regular. So, I mean, you, you've got to really give a lot of credit to Wright for knowing how he wants his filmic universe to look and how he wants it to behave cinematographically. God, that's a tough word to say. <laughs> you want to take another run at that one? <laughs> Cin- c- nope. Nope. With cinematography. <laughs> cinematographically. Cin- uh, cinematographically. But you know, he's Edgar Wright, somebody that, that sh- uh, he edits while he's filming. And that's clear on the, um, on the crash zooms and the whip pans and even simple things like uh, how he would use, how he would just turn off the lights in like uh, Scott Pilgrim, the lights just go black or doors close or, you know, just little things like that. He knows how to open and end a scene extremely well, which makes for uh, a pretty seamless edit. Yeah, David Dunlap is it's interesting because he he did do the um you know the thing I know him from primarily is Goodfellas because I know he did the that that helicopter, helicopter sequence yeah with right. Goodfellas yeah and he he had a real careful eye on those close-ups and I think that you could say that that 
David Dunlap is kind of responsible for the aesthetic that we think of when we think of Edgar Wright's films. Even though I think there's probably Edgar Wright's ideas, he had these things that he wanted to do. I mean, the the tooling up montages and things like that. It's a, a tribute mm-hmm. to to Evil Dead and James Cameron and you know Robert Rodriguez and all these uh, other directors who were doing it. But this was the first time it was it was really executed. And I think you're exactly right how how this kind of set the the tone of his films and what the aesthetic was going to look like and those those commonalities between shots and films that that we see from 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 him. Absolutely. I mean, this you know. It, we talk about him being a you know a second unit DP, but he's worked under some incredible people. I mean, just just what from his time with Scorsese, he would have been under Michael Ballhaus. Yep, right. And and I, and I think that you can see a lot of that sort of character centric, close up, almost intimate cinematography in Shaun of the Dead. And of course, you know, I, I know that you've talked about before how good Dunlap is with the whip pan and with the crash zoom, and and certainly those are things that we think of as staples. Yeah. of Edgar Wright cinema and and in Sean is where these these things really came to life and and you know no yeah he's able to do the 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 whip pan while holding the camera usually those whip pans are done in reverse they just mm-hmm. film it centered on that image and and then they they'll do the whip and and they reverse that but David Dunlap was so good that he could or is so good that he could he can hold the camera and, and do that shot in real time and land I mean, center frame each that's, time. That, that's amazing. That's staggering to yeah. me. A, that you can get the consistency of speed so that all these all these shots match up you know, temporally, but to be able to pan that quickly and come to a solid rest on your on your subject or object is incredible. Yeah. Like it, it cannot be overstated how insane a technical feat that is to be able to do it by hand. Yeah, David Dunlap to me is somebody that he must love working in television because he works in House of Cards a lot. Um, I know you and I were talking the other day about the um, the episode where uh, Frank goes to hell. The that whole Oval Office has that blue, real cool oh, tone to it. I mean, maybe the most memorable sequence of the entire series to date. Yeah, it's amazing, and I've always thought that he's somebody that that must like working in television because he could he could be that kind of brand name cinematographer he could be a deacons or, or oh yeah he's got the skills. you know he's so good he's got the skills but uh, yeah again i mean a lot of people do like working in television it's more steady work you get Definitely. to you know if you live in la you get to stay at home you don't have to travel as much uh yeah but it's it's it is it should not be assumed that he doesn't work more in in pictures because he doesn't have the skills dude has the skills as you see in the shots we're about to talk about ever think that modern life is not for you? Do you do the same dead-end job every day? Is your love life dying on its feet? To a wonderful mom. Oh. Have you ever felt that you're turning into something in the world? A zombie? Maybe you're not alone. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. It is vital that you stay in your homes. Avoid all physical contact with the assailants. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got a girl, Lizzie? Because I love her. All right, gay. 
So punch it, man. What's your first favorite shot? Okay, my first shot, this comes early in the film. It's the night that Sean splits up with Liz and he and Ed go out to the pub to drink it off. When they start home, they're singing Grandmaster Flash's White Lines and they pause while crossing the street. So this is a shot. Medium, Sean and Ed facing one another while in the background, a full silhouetted figure slowly and clumsily moving towards them. They just figure him to be some other drunk, but we know he's a zombie and that knowledge teamed with the design of this shot is what makes it, I think, a great indirect homage. You know, we were talking earlier about Wright's ability to to pay homage without being too literal, and I think that this is this is a good example of that because you see, Shaun of the Dead isn't just an homage to zombie movies; it's an homage to horror as a genre. That's evident in everything from its characterization to its dialogue to its narrative pacing. But as far as cinematography goes, I think this one shot is the best at silently nodding to great horror films like William Friedkin's The Exorcist or Wes Anderson's uh, sorry or Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Though I would pay to see Wes Anderson's A Nightmare. On Elm Street. Oh my God! What do you? Alone. Wes Anderson directing a horror film would get all my money. Would get would get all my money. It would be the most it would be the quaintest goddamn horror movie. <laughs> I'm gonna start that line over. As far as cinematography goes, I think this one shot is the best at silently nodding to great horror films like William Friedkin's The Exorcist or Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street, both of which are brought to mind by this shot. Friedkin's, of course, has that iconic shot of Father Marin standing outside the McNeil house, and in Craven's film, Freddy first appears in silhouette with those giant floppy extended arms and he's chasing Tina through the alley. And, of course, there's the shot of Alex and his droogs in Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange entering that tunnel where they beat up the drunk guy or the similar shot in Cronenberg's Dead Zone. The point is, silhouettes are perfect for horror because they represent the unknown, that unknown being either the nature of the shadowed figure, like in Elm Street, or that unknown as the events on whose precipice the figure stands, like in The Exorcist or Clockwork. Here it's both. The true nature of the silhouetted figure is unknown to Sean and Ed, as is the greater epidemic of which he's the result. This is literal foreshadowing, and it's a beautiful shot to boot. It's nicely balanced. It's rich with those deep blues. It's just its a gorgeous shot, besides being a pretty decent nod to horror as a genre. Yeah, and uh, this, is a, this is one of my three favorite shots as well. So uh, after this, I have two, you have two. Um, the... They do another version of this shot later on in Sean's backyard uh-huh. when they first see that that zombie. It's just a tighter two shot. It's uh, right. tighter on on Ed and Sean. Um, but one of the other reasons why I agree with everything you just said. I almost just want to be like, ditto, ditto, ditto that. <laughs> this is a moment where you really, uh, even though you're your center, you have a zombie center frame you're really getting the first sense of how much these two characters dig each other as friends. And that's, what's always struck me about that shot is it's, it's, there's so much going on there. It's the, the zombie coming towards them, the playfulness of Sean and Ed, 
uh, it's really it's the film in a frame. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It combines it combines the comedy from the expressions on their faces with the, you know, the, the deep, meaningful friendship that is central to the film. And it, it throws in the horror. This you're exactly right. This is Shaun of the Dead in one frame. Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite shot, I'm going to talk about a technique that's used that we've already kind of uh, discussed a little bit uh, on this episode already already. But the tooling up montages of mm. Shaun of the Dead are they are remarkable on a few different levels. Um, Edgar Wright has the ability with these montages to serve two purposes. In Shaun of the Dead, they're largely used for comedic effect. Um, and But then in Hot Fuzz, they are used in the, the literal tooling up. Uh, the traditional aspect. sense. The, the, the more traditional sense, that's right. But both films use it to make the mundane interesting. They are doing things like doing these uh, crash zooms on putting jelly on a bread, uh, making your coffee, putting the creamer away into the refrigerator. Um, in Hot Fuzz, it's you know, stepping off a bus or transporting from location A to location B. And it's just the, the energy that they bring into the film, I think, is... What gives the what gives Edgar Wright's films the drive that they have? I agree with that. I agree with that. I like I like these shots for two reasons because a they're economical. These yeah. are things that you have to see. A, a, a lot of Shaun of the Dead, especially in the beginning of Shaun of the Dead, is about routine. We we know this. We see repeated shots. You know, Shaun is like a zombie. You know, we get that parallel. So a they're economical because they need to be shown, but they're not the kind of thing that you want to drag out. I mean, like you said, it's a guy putting jelly on toast it's it's a guy brushing his teeth yeah but what's cool is, is most most movies wouldn't even wouldn't even show you that and if they did show you that it would, it would be, be it would be a straight shot yeah so a he's getting it done quicker by doing the cuts but at the same time he's also making it more stylish right like these these are shots that stand out these are shots that we think of when you when you think of Shaun of the dead and indeed all of his films so it's he's he's taking something that is normally so mundane that most people wouldn't use it and he's turning it into a hallmark which is just genius yeah it shows you how good he is as a filmmaker it shows you how good he is of a storyteller and an editor it 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 right. shows that he he understands what needs to be seen and and more importantly how long it needs to be seen for we just need the suggestion we just need to know sean's getting ready to go to work this is part of his daily mundane mindless routine and that's accomplished in a fraction of, of a second that also makes us go like huh that was a pretty neat sequence yeah my second shot is actually a pair of shots it's a shot reverse shot situation and oh. it occurs yeah and it occurs towards the end of the second act once uh, sean and ed and sean's mom have safely teamed up with liz and her flatmates diane and david as they're stalking through suburbia they come across sean's friend yvonne who's with her own little apocalypse squad the two shots i'm talking about are mirrors of one another uh you got sean and with his team fanned out behind him and yvonne with her team fanned out behind behind her and they sort of match up in terms of counterparts all down the line there are two young couples there are two older moms there are two corpulent sidekicks visually it's a fun shot and narratively it's an excellent little sidebar that reminds us that sean isn't the only one whose world is falling apart but it's also the greatest inside joke of the film because there are lots of connections here Yvonne, of course, is Jessica Hines, who collaborated on Spaced with Peg, Wright, and Frost. Diane, on Sean's side, is played by Lucy Davis, who was in the UK version of The Office with
with Martin Freeman, who's on Yvonne's side. David, on Sean's side, is played by Dylan Moran, who starred in Black Books with Tasman Grieg, who's on Yvonne's side. And Yvonne's mom is played by Julia Deacon, who played Marsha the Landlady on Spaced. As if all this wasn't enough, Ed's counterpart is played by Matt Lucas of Little Britain fame, who came up the same time as these guys in British comedy. So the shot themselves then, they invite you to make this comparison if they don't explain it, especially when the scene ends by the shots converging and each member of the squad greeting one another in passing. It's a fun bit of cinematography. It's a fun little inside joke, but I think it really speaks to the community behind this film and indeed you know a lot of of edgar wright's work like we, we talked earlier about how you know friendship is is really important to this movie and to, to all of wright's movies and i think it's so important because it's real these people are friends they are a community of filmmakers and comedians and writers and they are generally genuinely supporting one another and this shot just these shots remind me of that every time i see it yeah i love that whole scene and i love when they're crossing pass and, and saying hi to each other oh, it's brilliant it's just frames like it's, it's just amazing. another just just another genius little detail that seems yeah. insignificant but when you when you get the context around it it's just it it's really smart it is yeah and it does highlight the, the communal feel that was on this film and it seems to, to kind of follow edgar wright i don't we haven't seen baby driver yet but I, I'm hoping it's it's there as well, but it's so cool seeing all these actors who are in the the Edgar Wright atmosphere showing up in these films. Absolutely, and you know it happens time and again, which is just it's why I think these things feel so great to us as people. Why not only do you enjoy the movie, but they feel good. Like you like these people genuinely. It's because they're being, you know, to a degree genuine with one another. They're being friends. They're being supportive. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Because I, I don't know if there's any Edgar Wright characters who I who you don't like. There's always something about them that you're, even the jerks. you're kind of rooting for. Even, even, yeah, get, even the jerks. Even, even the, the jerks. Even the other flatmate of Sean and Ed's who, who gets turned into the zombie. Like, he's a he bit does. of a dick. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick. But you still kind of like him because, like, you know, he's one of their pals. You get it. Like, it's... We all got dick friends. Uh, so I'm going to, on the fly, pick another shot because that was my... The, the first shot we talked about was the third shot there. Um... And I want to talk about the scene that's a tribute to American Werewolf when Sean is in the the bathroom uh, and he closes the mirror to uh, show us Peter's silhouette behind the shower curtain. That's in a direct homage to American Werewolf. In fact, it's the same exact shot as American Werewolf. And I just, I love that scene because it plays to... And it's something I'll talk about in in my last scene, uh, or in my last shot as well. But it it shows you how how smart Edgar Wright is with the the camera in what he wants to accomplish and what he wants to show the audience. There were other times in Shaun of the Dead, like when uh, Sean and uh, his stepdad are having that conversation in the car, where mm. it's essentially a a conversation between those two characters in this crowded car. There's one, two, three, four, five other people in this car with them, right? Or four yeah. or five other people. But the camera doesn't move. You're only focused on those two characters. Um, so Edgar Wright is only showing you what you need to see. It's like that old Scorsese quote. There's what's in the frame and there's what's out of the frame. So he's in control that whole time. And I just love the way he uses that shot to kind of remind us that we're only seeing what he wants us to see. And there are other times where... The uh, the whole bat. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to save that for my third shot. 
So never mind. But yeah, okay. that that shot is a uh, a brilliant, quiet, quick tribute to a brilliant film, and that Shaun of the Dead has uh, is really one of its one of its equals. Absolutely, I, I put these two films on on the same level. Yeah. If it, gosh, I, I, I mean, with with all due respect to Mr. Landis, if anything, I, I tend to think Shaun of the Dead's a little better. Oh. Yeah, we'll fight about it. Better isn't the word. It's, it's not fair to compare them. I enjoy Shaun of the Dead more. I watch Shaun of the Dead more, for sure. I will say that I do consider Shaun of the Dead to be a flip-flop with Ryan Johnson's brick for best cinematic debut of the 21st century to date. So let's talk about this third shot. And uh, my, my third pick is the second tracking shot of Sean walking to the store. Uh, this happens the morning after that first shot I was talking about, and it's just before the film kicks into full-on zombie mode. This, uh, of course, is a recreation of the tracking shot earlier in the film, and every aspect is exactly the same, saying for a handful of details that indicate the shit has hit the fan. There are people running, people screaming, there's just chaos in the streets that Sean isn't noticing because it's already been established that this is his routine. This is the the mindless maneuver he goes through every morning. He could do this in his sleep, and as such, he's not really paying attention to his surroundings. He's just going through the motions. Besides being one of the stronger thematic shots in the film, those that illustrate the parallels between hordes of zombies and hordes of people like Sean who are slaves to routine, this shot is also the one that walks us into what the film will really be, a survival story in a world that's changed by a single but pretty significant click. Everything is the same here, except now it's all hostile. And that's what real horror is, I think. It's the familiar made unfamiliar. It's the comfortable made dangerous. This is why I consider Shaun of the Dead a horror-comedy, like I said. Uh, it's also why I consider Shaun of the Dead so successful and, in fact, perfect. It doesn't favor horror over comedy or comedy over horror. Instead, it integrates them and plays them off one another for maximum impact of both. I think the the peak of this scene, and, and I know that you agree with me because it's the first shot you used from Shaun of the Dead uh, way back in the day when OPS was starting up, it's that bloody handprint on the drink cooler. His, Sorry, his, his, take no, away no, your swagger. No, no, not at all. I was, I was, just, I was, re- I was just breathing. Like his, his ignorance of that detail is the most telling of, of the sequence. Like if, you know, it's one thing to not notice somebody running past you on the street or broken windows in a car you're passing. But when there's a bloody handprint on a glass door that you were opening and you don't notice it, that's just that's the height of subtlety. And I think it, this scene is just really, really successful at transitioning from what the movie starts as, which is sort of a almost a character study of, of you know, full grown slasher culture into the horror film that it will become. Yeah, Inyo, and this is my uh, third favorite shot as well. So once again, you are a bastard yeah. uh, for taking my shot. But it, it I, I'm wondering if, I'm trying to think if there's another instance where we kind of get a, a kind of a side-by-side comparison because it's the the track, it's it's the exact same tracking shot. It's the exact same the tracking shot. And, and in fact, did you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but the that tracking shot that opens the film was the, their first day of filmmaking. I did know that. Like that's how confident they are as filmmakers right. that you take Start. this impressive, uh, complex tracking shot, and that's your first day of filming. I mean, that. yeah, everything after that had to be fairly not easy, but by Less comparison, ballsy. had to feel a little easier. Yeah, but um, but what I'm thinking is, so we have the opening shot, which is that that city cam shot. We have this shot, which mm-hmm. is uh, kind of the bizarro world version of the first shot. 
And it's not dissimilar to the Shaun of the Friends, where we get the bizarro right. world friends. You know, right. uh, is there a third instance of that kind of, of recur? That kind of recurring? Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, um, that's interesting because it's like the whole time he's kind of telegraphing what the story's going to going to be. Uh, and maybe some it. of the Winchester stuff. Maybe there are some. Oh, I bet there is before and after Winchester yeah. shots. Yep, decoding Shaun of the Dead <laughs> coming soon from One Perfect Pod. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is my, my favorite shot as well. Uh, this is my favorite shot in the, the entire film is the second steady cam shot. Um, for both the reasons you described and then also because this is really the first time that we start to see things happening in the background. This is where, um, you know, as you mentioned, there's a car window, uh, smashed in. Um, there's, uh, zombies in the, the, the meandering around in the background. There's a guy running past Sean screaming because he's running from a zombie horde. Um, and then, yeah, Sean has the, the bloody prints on the refrigerator door. And then he also slips on the blood. That's which... the, that's maybe my favorite moment oh, of the entire God, film. I love the use of visual comedy in Sean of the Dead. The way it breaks the tension of that scene is... Yes remarkable yeah and then you can see also um i think the shopkeeper's name is nelson yeah uh, if, if i'm wrong i'll uh, people will tell me on twitter for oh yes they will. the next two weeks oh yeah but the uh uh yeah nelson's kind of in the background who's now a zombie kind of lumbering um and i love the scene because of the, the 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 visual comedy that happens and what's happening in the background what's going on in the background of Shaun of the dead is almost as important as what's happening uh, in the foreground. Absolutely. Um, and it's one of those, so it's one of those things where, you know, you could watch this film two or three, four times and still feel like, Oh, I'm missing something. And so you're, it's almost like you're watching a different quadrant of the screen each time. It's, Ooh, yeah. I, and that's, and that's another reason why I love the movie is it just, it, it feels, I think good when, when films transcend genre, they be, there's no limit to the amount of time you can watch them because each time right. they feel right. new and they feel fresh and Shaun of the Dead does that. That is how I gauge how much I enjoy a film. How many times am I willing to watch it? Yeah. It's why I, it's why Jaws is my favorite movie and I have seen it more than a hundred times. And that's, that's not an exaggeration. That's not, I mean, when I like a movie, I will watch it over and over again, but you've got to be the kind of movie that is worthy of watching over and over again. And Shaun of the Dead is, is absolutely that I've, I've seen this movie at least I, I don't I, even know. I, I, it feels like it's got to be at least twenty times. Yeah, it's when it first for me. Yeah, it, this is this is. There are a few. You know, I'm I'm a very poor man, uh, as most of us in this industry are. But this is one of the movies that I bought sight unseen. I had not seen it in the theater when I bought it on DVD. I just I just knew that I wanted it, and it has. I've still got the same DVD, and it is as worn out as my cassette copy of Nirvana's Bleach. You just nice. you can't read anything on it. But the, the, the other reason that I like this this tracking shot just to close on it is it's sort of the culmination of all this subtlety that's been going on. You know, like we've yeah. we've been shown scenes like there are there's stuff on the BBC that they're clicking through. We see headlines. There's Which, the shot. Uh, by the way, that's a great shot cuz you can see Sean's reflection yeah. flipping through those channels. I I, I love, love that. that. Yeah, when it goes to the black, you could just see him on the couch. Beautiful shot and really tricky to get. Reflective shots off surfaces like that are really very difficult. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and there's the great scene where where stepdad walks out of uh, the electronic shop and all the military vehicles are going by. You know, there's, there's build up to this scene, but this scene drops it all. This scene, yeah. it's no longer, hey, what was that? Now that is everything. And it's a, it's a wonderful shift. And 
I know I'm going to get some shit for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I would place it as akin to the moment when Dorothy opens the door on Oz. It is that significant of a shift in in the film's environment. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That's because you're a grown man. No one, no grown <laughs> think about the Wizard of Oz. Uh, you know, one thing I was thinking of though was that when um, when Sean is witnessing these moments, when he sees when he's at the flower shop and he sees the guy across the street, yeah, uh, the zombie <laughs> playing with the birds and everything, um, playing sees, with the birds. Uh, is that how you described them? what the guy? And he sees that zombie playing with the birds. Yeah, I guess he's eating them. He's right? eating so the birds. Yeah, zombies don't play. He's not playing with it. Well, that's maybe how zombies play. So are, are you going to play? Yeah. How many birds are you going to eat? Probably four. Uh, but they uh so there's that and then there when he does see those army vehicles coming by and he's kind of staring off into space at them it's sean seeing these events but not processing it's them. It, yeah and it's then just looking through and them. then he just like chalks them up to daydream just like whatever and, yeah it's, i love it's, that and that's i mean and that's a big part of the first this first half of this film or the first section of this film is just sort of the the willful ignorance of the yeah. world around you until that world becomes unignorable i mean i think we said this last time like sean I like that we keep referring yeah, to no, the sorry. we accidentally yeah. deleted. I, I know that and we've talked we, about I mean this me. before. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, Sean doesn't really have a, a, a traditional character arc in this movie. He doesn't have anything to redeem himself for. Like, sure, he's not as attentive to his girlfriend as he should be. But that's not really a, a, a character flaw as much as it is just sort of... Like he's, 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 not a, he's, just a, he's just a normal guy. He's a bit of a schlub. And as it turns out, he's just a guy waiting for the world to give him a challenge because when he does get the the challenge of, you know, saving his loved ones from the zombie apocalypse, he absolutely rises to the task. He's not a, he's not, you know, he's not a loser. He's not an asshole. He's not a dick. He's just a normal guy who becomes better than normal when pushed. Well, before we go, a reminder that people can subscribe to our network of shows on Stitcher, iTunes, or their favorite podcast app by simply searching One Perfect Pod and clicking whatever comes back to you. When you subscribe, you'll get access to the entire family of One Perfect Podcasts, which at present is four shows strong and growing. You can also visit Film School Rejects backslash pod. People say backslash anymore for additional information. I don't think they do. And don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes and let us know how we're doing. On social media, you can follow the site on Twitter using at OnePerfectShot and on Facebook by adding backslash, again I said it, OnePerfectShot to the URL. I'm old if you can't tell. If you want to follow Jeff and myself, we're also both on Twitter as well. Uh, he's at the Jeff Todd. That's Jeff with a G, like that giraffe. And I'm at H. Perry Horton. And last but not least, any questions, comments, concerns, or cash you want to share with us can be done so by emailing pod at filmschoolrejects.com. Next week... Oh, next week. Next week, we're back looking at a film that many consider to be the greatest of all time. Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, which was shot by Robert Burks. Start anticipating now. It's going to be a good show. Until then, thanks for listening. Good viewing.